0: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
2: Let's go places. This is the Lombardi Line with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard on vSEN.
3: It is our number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM back from our Circus Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. Welcome you uh, back as we've got Josh Applebaum coming up in about a half hour from our vSEN Morning Daily Bets podcast. So great to get Josh's insights here later on this hour. He's Mike Pritchard. I'm Ben Wilson. He's also, and when I say he, Mike Pritchard. You you were the only person I heard all last week who loved the Houston Texans. <laughs> I right. 17 and a half. I did. Hey,
4: they not only covered, they almost won the game. Some people were laying it, I think, right? Uh, a lot of a people. A lot of people laid were it. it. Um, no,
3: teasers, I, money line, parlays, even if it was over minus 2000 and
4: you well, were all over. It. I'll give credit to professional bettors in and for informing me and and helping me understand letdowns. Because I never, as a player, you you don't think there's a letdown moment, right? I mean, uh, you you think that you have the same energy, but you're just not executing or you're just not playing. Uh, You might be rusty or whatever, but from a letdown standpoint, I'm like, wait a minute, I got the motion, I got the energy, I'm ready to go, but from a betting perspective, can you identify that? And that's the only thing I identified uh, with picking Houston and a 17 and a half, was Dallas was in a prime situation for a letdown. They've been riding high mm-hmm. um, and they don't have the culture. Here's the thing about the Cowboys. They don't have that dynasty culture in which the leadership on that team would keep the standard at uh, at a certain level during the week of practice. Like in other words, oh, we're playing the Texas and then maybe practice is sloppy or the focus isn't there. They don't have that standard. Uh, and so they, they're actually more prone to a letdown. Uh, so that's why I made that bet.
3: What's odd with Dallas as we look at them going forward for the final four weeks of the year, not only is Dallas in pretty good playoff positioning, 10 and three, five seed right now, but Mike, they're two games back of the Eagles who are red hot, have an in-season win total now of 14 and a half, Philadelphia at 12 and one. And at the same time, Dallas has a two and a half game lead over both Washington and the New York Giants for those six and seven seeds, both Washington and the, and the Giants are at seven, five and one. See, you just wonder about the urgency down the stretch. And for a banged-up Cowboy team heading into Jacksonville this week, defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins not expected to play for the rest of the regular season. The owner Jerry Jones says this morning, and left tackle Tyron Smith, they're expecting to get him back. He will play this week against Jacksonville, but he has very much been banged up Mm -hmm. in and out of the starting lineup. How do you expect the urgency to continue, Mike, given what we just saw Sunday?
4: Well, it's urgency versus pressure because I, you know what Jerry Jones, he wants. He wants the Super Bowl in and, and the worst way, and and now that pressure is starting them out, and I think we see that at times. I mean, Dak Prescott is a quarterback. He throws some balls that you can't explain, uh, and now you lose another offensive to tackle. Uh, and, yeah, it's been next man up mentality. They're not that explosive on the outside, at least they didn't. They thought they were going to be with Michael Gallup and, and company, but uh, now you know you try to get reinforcements there. Uh, discovering Tony Pollard along the way has been beneficial, and mm-hmm. then the defense. They've been really leaning on the defense. It's a, it's a great defense, it really is, and uh, you think about Jonathan Hankins now, a guy that they traded for going down, that's going to eliminate the rotation that they enjoyed there in, with the interior, uh, and perhaps not be able to do certain things that they want to do, with Micah Parsons and, and other players. So uh, we'll see how they adjust. I mean, you still have a an injury situation too with uh, Trayvon Diggs, uh, the monitors. So uh, it's it's sense of urgency versus pressure right now for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm.
3: And adding wide receiver T.Y. Hilton right. to the mix, does that do anything for you? Guy, obviously, uh, very much on the
4: back nine of his career. <laughs> back nine, I like that. <laughs> Maybe finishing Maybe 19, up. Maybe <laughs> 19th hole. <laughs> he might be finishing up that final putt. Uh, to go to the clubhouse. But, um, you know, I don't know where he's going to fit in or how he's going to fit in other than maybe a spot player. I mean, Mm -hmm. your two guys are Lamb and and Gallup. And, you know, does Kellen Moore really want to go with three wide receivers when you have Tony Pollard? you got to get him on the field more. Uh, you got to involve him in the offense more. you got to make him more important in the offense more, uh, along with Zeke as he gets healthier. But adding a receiver when you lose another lineman, think about that for a minute. Um, from a TY Hilton standpoint and where he's at in his career, if you can have a favorable matchup from a third wide receiver standpoint, maybe even a fourth option, because you still have uh, the tight end position, Dalton Schultz, I think, is, is a good player as well. So I don't know where he fits in, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I, outside of a spot player, or maybe an advantage in a matchup uh, scenario.
3: At least the salary, it's minor, $600,000 right. guaranteed. are oh, yeah. some roster bonuses, some potential playoff incentives, but the max he could make, according to the NFL Network's Tom Pellicero, about $1.5 just trying to add some depth on the wide receiver front yeah. for Dallas. But for this week, line now down to four and a half. and I respect Will Hill for coming on and liking mm-hmm. Jacksonville. But let's keep in mind, Dallas has the best pass defense in the league, a dynamic pass rush, among the best at generating pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And for all of Jacksonville's recent success, Jaguars still have a bottom half of the league offensive line, both in run and pass blocking. If you look at advanced metrics, combined with Jacksonville's inability to put multiple games in a row all season, the most inconsistent, maddening up and down roller coaster team, this sets up perfectly to fade Jacksonville off the amazing win they had in Nashville on Sunday. Dallas could not have looked any worse. Got very lucky to win, Mike. As we see so often in the NFL, it is a week-to-week league. I will be looking to lay Dallas later in the week <laughs> okay. if the number continues to drop below four and we get into that four, three and a half type range.
4: Yeah, I mean, what about the total? 47 and a half, minus 110 either way. Uh, because you do have a situation where Jacksonville is playing better uh, offensively. I mean uh they have balance they statistically they they were better they were more they were higher ranked than Tennessee last week um this is a team that underachieved I think in terms of capping off games in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. they they lost a number of games in that fourth quarter in which if they would have won them obviously they have a winning record right now right um and I think they've underachieved but then also did they not identify how to win those games and can you suggest now, or can I suggest that maybe they, they're learning how to do that? That's a fair by point. playing to better.
3: But look at the last six games for
4: Jacksonville. <laughs> okay, you go to London, right? facing a bad
3: Denver team, mm-hmm. lose the game by four with a woeful fourth quarter, return home, face a Raider team that, for as poorly coached as the Raiders have been, still very good talent wise. Absolutely nuke the Raiders after mm-hmm. getting down early, win the game by seven. All right, starting to figure it out. Then you go on the road to Kansas City, popular underdog. That next week in Arrowhead, lose a game going away by 10. But you come home, big comeback, beat the Ravens. All right, you're figuring it out again. Jacksonville wins by one. So you go to Detroit, get a lot of betting attention in the market once again, and get absolutely steamrolled, 40-14. to Mm -hmm. Now you go on the road and, uh, okay, now you beat Tennessee, a team that was leading the division. You win by 14. My point is, it's just one week to the next. There's been zero consistency from head coach Doug Peterson and his team. I'm not willing to be there where you're at. Okay. You can see the improvements being made, Mike. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it manifests this week against the toughest defense Jacksonville has faced since Denver in London, and we saw how that went with only the 17 points scored.
4: Yeah, and that's a team that almost lost to Houston at home, though. <laughs> I mean, the the thing about it, you're right. Uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are inconsistent, and what you laid out was brilliant, uh, and you illustrated perfectly why... Uh, it, it's it's a gamble with Jacksonville that way because they have been inconsistent, indicative of a young team, indicative of a new coach with a young team, right? Uh, but the belief that you have now, because Jacksonville did this for me earlier on when they did win some games at the Chargers, right? Uh, you know, you think about some other games, uh, even that win against the Raiders uh, there at home, that this is a young man's game. Like when you're yeah. older, uh, longer in the tooth, but then you have Walker coming off the edge and you had all these players, Trevor Lawrence starting to get it. It's a young man's game. And ATN, I mean, I I was looking at the total, to be honest with you, because defensively, uh, I think Jacksonville is yielding a lot of points. Uh, And then I think Jacksonville can score points too. They run the ball very well. And we know for Dallas, that's an Achilles heel standpoint. Uh, And then Trevor Lawrence is athletic. He wants to run the football now which adds another dimension to that offense. So I was looking at the total early, early this week.
3: It, it's a good point to make with Jacksonville second to last in the league and yeah. average yards per drive allowed. Last five weeks, I was looking at that, those numbers more to see how good Detroit had shown improvement. Mm-hmm. Those numbers also show me that Jacksonville since week nine is a bottom five defense on an overall right. efficiency basis. Interesting to see. I'm updating my odd screen in front of me where that that total, Mike, has it started to... <laughs> Come up a little yeah. bit a uh, forty seven yeah. and a half is a pretty consistent number around the board, but a lot of the offshore openers for forty five and a half. Mm-hmm. you're I would imagine on the right track with that uh, that line of thought. One other quick piece of injury news, a game will had mentioned in our last segment for Pittsburgh now going on the road to Carolina. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback for the Steelers, announced this morning by Mike Tomlin. He remains in concussion protocol. Also defensive lineman Chris Wormley, who was injured in that loss at home to Baltimore. The news comes out today. he will undergo knee surgery. That timeline, uh, at least out indefinitely as far as his recovery timeline, taking on a Carolina group that is now laying two or two and a half points. Steelers were a short favorite in the offshore look-ahead markets. But if Pickett is out here and it's another Mitchell Trubisky game, Mike, where does this line go for
4: Carolina? Well, I wouldn't say let down spot for Steelers, but they are coming off a rivalry game right and physical the tight physical game, game yeah. the emotion of that think about it. quarterbacks got knocked out both of them uh and now you have a sky high carolina panthers team that's playing well at home that's believing uh in themselves and and most importantly they have a team oriented goal now which is making the playoffs winning the division before they didn't have that. Before it was like, Man, people get fired around here. How
3: many five and eight <laughs> teams can say that's <laughs> exactly. a team oriented
4: goal, baby? Well Let's before go. before guys were getting fired and traded and, and okay, what are we doing here? And so now you every man for themselves, but now it's like, wait a minute. Wilkes is like we can win a division. And we can all get paid if we win a division. So uh, I, I like that situation. Uh it's under a field goal too, with the Panthers under at home. Field
3: goal. Steve Wilkes was a one-and-done coach in Arizona, but I've been really impressed with him as an interim. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of buy-in there. Not on, a fair shake in Arizona. side. Yeah. It was a tough, raw deal Steve Wilkes got as head coach of the Cardinals. Speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, we bring that team up because they feature on Right Route, Wrong Route with Mike Pritchard. We'll start that. Four different teams to discuss when we return to the Lombardi line.
4: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v With
2: Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit v to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not only today's action but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at com. It's that time. Right route, wrong route. I feel like you prepare the entire week just for this 10-minute segment, Mike. (laughs) I do.
4: You ready to go? Yes.
3: And the Pittsburgh Steelers, they do feature in right route, wrong route team we were just talking about last segment. Uh, where are you thinking the Steeler direction is headed? Oh, at the
4: in the wrong direction. Wrong direction. Completely good. running wrong routes out there, left and right. In fact, I would love to see them run some routes. Quite literally,
3: you're saying. <laughs> yes. Outside of George Pickens, it's like what? What are? What are you? Guys? Well,
4: Johnson's good. I mean, Deontay. I mean, I think they have a, a nucleus of young talent, even Kenny Pickett too. But. Uh, you know, we haven't seen any strides in the right direction in terms of attention to detail for this offense. Uh, And I think that falls back on Matt Cannon, that offense coordinator, who was a college coordinator. And last year he had friction with Big Ben. And as a coordinator, they made the playoffs. I mean, Big Ben led the league with come from behind victories and and game-winning drives and all that stuff. And Steelers it was a big Ben he's all the famer mm-hmm. right <laughs> and they got to the playoffs but this year you know it's not going to go that direction um they started way too late I thought they probably should have started the season with Kenny Pickett at quarterback uh why in the hell are you starting Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback I, I, that was a mismanaged uh situation uh, that held back the offensive growth of of those Ferraris in the garage if you will with Johnson and uh, Pickens and, and certainly Fryermouth Muth, even uh, Najee. I mean, all these guys. They, they traded away Claypool. Uh, he just didn't fit anymore, apparently. But I don't know where they're going with this offense. They've scored twenty offensive touchdowns, and that's on par with the Colts. And the Colts have an interim head coach. Not Saturday. very good. Not so. very good. They fired Frank Reich. They fired offensive coordinator, and uh, they found Parks in a park somewhere uh, along with Saturday. So it's like you're on par with the Colts offensively when you have that kind of talent and there's no excuse for that. Um, they got to go in a different direction. And remember, uh, Joe Brady, remember that guy from LSU, yeah, that's a name. Uh, it's a great name, isn't it? Uh, from LSU. And he had all that talent at, at LSU. Uh, when you think about Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson and all that Joe Burrow. And I mean, you think about an innovative type of guy, if you want to go that direction from the college ranks, then I think certainly Joe Brady could probably be a guy, but uh, I they need to stay in the pro ranks, I believe, as they change coordinators. They have to. Uh, they have to evolve from whatever Canada was trying to establish with them offensively mm-hmm. to the sign of the times in today's football. I mean, you got Kenny he has got another concussion, but um, there's just no progress right there. Clearly running the wrong routes uh, this year.
3: Yeah, Joe Brady now quarterback's coach for the Buffalo Bills. Could he be a target? I just go back to when Matt Canada was hired as offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and he said he was going to bring in a lot of pre-snap motion and sort of new wave NFL analytic thinking, and yet the ownership group from the Rooney family said, that same year, Canada was hired, heading into the 2020 season. We want to get back to 1970s Pittsburgh Stiller football. There's always a clash of of identity and philosophy, Yeah. and so you bring in a new wave offensive coordinator to call plays, but the directive from up top is we want to be a smash mouth football team. It just never felt like the cohesion has been there. And that's evidence this year, Pittsburgh when they've moved the ball and gotten in the red zone, have been terrible 25th in red zone touchdown percentage. Two things,
4: two things about that. Terry Bradshaw called his own place and they had (laughs) Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, two hall of fame wide receivers too. So I mean, and they had, you know, a running back, um, uh, Franco, who was a hall of famer. I mean, offensive line like going back to the Steelers in the 1970s I mean they threw the ball they I mean you know certainly you run the ball but uh they they did stretch you vertically though it's
3: fair to say both statements could can be true yeah the the antiquated thought from the ownership group is a negative <laughs> right. but also Matt Canada oh Trying to take a group personnel wise that wasn't really prepared to do what he wanted to do mm-hmm. was also a big mistake. Right. Both of those statements can be true. It's why Pittsburgh That's sits five and eight right now. With twenty touchdowns offensively. With twenty <laughs> touchdowns offensively. Let's go to some right routes. Chargers are a team in the hunt oh. now in the AFC playoff picture. Have moved not only in the hunt, while they're not currently among the top seven, Mike, minus two hundred at DraftKings to make the playoffs. What are you liking about the
4: Chargers? Um, Justin Herbert. <laughs> I mean, this guy easy. Uh, he's just a phenomenal player. And I go back to um, a, a GM and longtime scout in the league that we had a conversation years ago when Herbert was still at Oregon about the potential of this player and um, just what he was giving me from his note standpoint and what we talked about. Uh, and he actually stayed in. It was his junior year in college. He stayed in uh, for a specific reason. Uh, and that specific reason helped him out when he got thrusted into the starting position after... The starting quarterback got his lung punctured. Um I forget his name. Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor Taylor, yep, week yep. two yep. against Kansas City. There you go. So that game well. But think about the poise and think about uh that moment for Justin Herbert, and he's been off and running it with it right now. And uh on par with Andrew Luck in terms of the beginning of the career and, and from a numbers standpoint, and you know, he's tracking to be that elite player, right? If he's not already. Uh and he's gonna give the Chargers a chance each and every year to make the playoffs. Market
3: and, is trending toward the Charger direction this mm-hmm. week, seeming to buy into right. this newfound health of Justin Herbert at quarterback, up to either two and a half juice to the Chargers or three, still with some juice to the underdog Tennessee Titans this week. How much do you f- do you believe, though, in the health for Herbert and playing through that rib cartilage Sherry suffered week two against Kansas City was real and that the Chargers were... Were, they were pretty negligible in the way they kept throwing him out there week to week when he wasn't 100%. Like, was that a real thing as we look back on it now? Yeah,
4: I think it was. I, I think, uh, actually, it's it's better off for him. Um, there's a number of quarterbacks, and, and and maybe I'll take you back two decades, but you know whether or not a quarterback had a broken rib, you didn't necessarily know that. Um, but if you're in a locker room and you go into the training room and you're getting taped up and you're getting all this and you watch the quarterback get shot up, Right, I'm talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? Uh, and like, wait a minute, I, I didn't know he was hurt. He just practiced all week, and I didn't know he had to get it, take a shot. But uh, no, I think Justin Herbert proved to himself that he can withstand a lot. I mean, look at him in a pocket now. I mean, he is mobile, but he knows how to protect himself. But I, I wish he would run more, but he's such a pocket passer, and he's such a, a competent player that he doesn't feel like he needs to. Now getting healthy with Mike Williams, you got Keenan Allen out there, you got these receivers that he elevated Bid He elevated the the tight end position and those backup receivers uh, when the starters were out, along with Austin Eckler. I mean, this is shaping up to be really, really good situation for the Chargers as they get healthier defensively as well.
3: Can they back it up against Tennessee this week? A desperate dog coming in who still leads the AFC by a healthy margin in the Tennessee Titans, but that gap is starting to close after they lost to Jacksonville. Let's go to another quarterback situation. This one of the much newer variety, since Desmond Ritter will make his NFL starting debut Sunday for the Atlanta Falcons. What do you make of the move?
4: Well, I like it. Um, it's the right route by the Falcons. I, I think they did it in the obvious time—a bye week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, performance-based issues. That's what they're saying. I think I don't know if Mario is with the team anymore. There's, I think, there's a rumor, or report that he's not long no longer with the team, really? uh, athletic or somebody's going with something like that, but uh I, I don't know about that but i, I just know okay. when you think about performance-based decision here uh or lack thereof and it's true i mean Mariota was holding this offense back i mean they got creative and you can get so far you can go so far with creativity at some point you got to be efficient at some point you have to have competent quarterback play when you're throwing a football uh i believe ritter has sat enough in this season and watched enough football to where where mentally he should be ready to go now physically He's gonna make mistakes. But you use the bye week to help prepare him. You use the bye week to help him feel more comfortable. But I love the, the quote from Arthur Smith. Um, Desmond Ritter will be working this week to earn the respect of his mm-hmm. teammates. I love that, I love that. Uh, so uh, he has a chance to be a competitor. I think Arthur Smith is, is willing to put him in a situation to be successful. He's gonna give him some of this offense, a lot of this offense in addition to the creativity. So I think this could be a lift. And Ritter, you have the opportunity of a lifetime to be the starting quarterback moving forward for the Atlanta Falcons. It's a first start
3: in a position where, while you get the bye week to go Mm -hmm. give yourself a little bit more time to prepare, Atlanta, by virtue of the NFC South being horrible, is still (laughs) not out of this thing. Catching points, though, in New Orleans. Saints also technically not out of it either. Just and the Saints right now up to a market wide four point favorite Mm at home against Atlanta. Ritter set to make his debut, just as an honorary right rep wrong rep mention, this division as a whole. NFC South. I mean If I'm not
4: I don't want to suggest this, but if you're the Saints, shouldn't you tink?
3: Well, it seems like Dennis Allen as a coach is trying to do that with every in game decision (laughs) he's making.
4: What was that line here? Um is it four? Four for New Orleans. Four, an, encouraged, an encouraged situation Atlanta. in Atlanta where the quarterback is going to add some juice, I think, uh, to the Saints team that, from a business decision standpoint, uh, need to be looking at C.J. Stroud or or, mm. or somebody like that, right?
3: I get the sense early in the week that for Mike Pritchard, who loves a good former team teaser, you yes. played for the Falcons, yes. You might be looking to tease those Falcons up this week.
4: Well, they're at four right now, though.
3: I'm getting to 10. I know it's not a (laughs) Wong teaser. Math guys will be mad, but Mm -hmm. guys also can't compete with the fact you can do a former team teaser. That's right. I can't
4: do that. 2-0 too, by the
3: way. 2-0. All right. Look at this. Okay. Very good. When we return to the Lombardi line, Josh Applebaum from v Morning Daily Bets. He has some early week 15 thoughts.
2: You're listening to the Lombardi line on v With Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
3: VCN is the gift that keeps on giving. Become a VSN Pro subscriber for only $79 and get access to everything we do from now through the big dance. Sign up today and you'll also receive $20 to buy VSN Sports Betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear at our online store. Only VCN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits to let you see where the money and bets are moving every game. Deep dive betting reports, plus our ongoing College Bowl coverage with best bets on every bowl game. It's a limited-time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift and get VEASAN Pro access through the end of March Madness at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. One note from our last segment before we welcome Josh Applebaum in. Since you said the Saints should tank, well, we realized (laughs) I looked up the draft order for next year. As it stands right now, three of the top five teams in the draft order for next year do not even control their own pick, Mm -mm. including the New Orleans Saints, who is part of a package deal a bunch of pick swaps gave away a neck a 2023 first round pick to philadelphia in exchange for two first round picks they swapped in this last year's draft saints are then able to use some of those picks to move up take chris olave with the number 11 pick out of ohio state but lost their 2023 first rounder in the process so the division of misery Keeps getting worse as that number five pick is currently controlled instead of the Saints by the Eagles, Mike.
4: <laughs> Think about that. They can't even tank if they wanted to. But, uh, yeah, that's that's horrible uh, all the way around. The fact that uh, right
3: Denver, there. the Rams, mm-hmm. and New Orleans, three of the top five teams <laughs> right now in the current standings for the NFL draft, do not even control Goodness. their own picks. I can't mm. remember another year Mm-mm. where that has happened. No,
4: That is the case. No. Still like Missouri, a teaser, maybe. <laughs> on
3: Atlanta. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now that the Atlanta teaser leg like for Mike this week against New Orleans only, uh, yeah, only further on. Uh, let's welcome in Josh Applebaum, who you hear every single morning on your Vison podcast feed, VEASAN Morning Daily Bets, as well as the Market Insights uh, podcast. Josh, we get in now to the final four weeks of the season here, and Thursday night football will represent a very interesting betting angle. I'm sure it was odd for you as a longtime Tom Brady fan, being from Boston, watching Brock Purdy. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant outplay the goats on Sunday in San Francisco. What do you think happens now for Purdy and the Niners this week, going to Seattle on a short week?
1: Yeah, so Ben and Pritch, it's great to be with you. And by the way, both Stroud and Young are uh, plus 150 to go number one overall pick. So we're going to see how that kind of shakes out right now. So we'll see if if that moves one way or the other. But this one game, guys, to me, it's the ultimate buy low sell high play. So I'm going to take Pritch's old team, Seattle, plus three and a half in this spot. Now, it's a little, to me, a couple angles here. It opened, actually, 49ers around a three-point road favorite. We have gotten up to minus 3.5, and that's obvious because this is a big public play toward the 49ers, guys. They're getting 80% of spread bets as of right now, one of the most lopsided public plays of the week. So it makes sense that they did take up minus 3, up to 3.5. But if you look at the juice on all these uh, plus three and a halfs with the Seahawks here on our VEASAN.com board... It's minus 115, so it looks to me like even though you're getting all this money on the 49ers, the odds makers did say, hey, we'll go three to three and a half, but we're not going to go to four, and if anything, we may be getting back down to three based on that juiced up price for Seattle. So uh, the fact that it could be getting back down to three, guys, I'll jump on the hook right now. Uh, Seattle's one of your most contrarian plays of the week, only getting 20% of bets. But also, it's a buy-low-sell-high, as we mentioned. San Fran, really, they're not going to be ever more overvalued than they are right now. Even though you lose Jimmy G, you've won six straight games, you crush Tom Brady at home, easily cover that number. Meanwhile, Seattle, you're really buying low on Seattle. Pritch, they've already cashed their over-win total, Mm -hmm. but they're coming off a bad loss to Carolina. They're a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in that one, and you lose outright. There was some late money going Panthers in that spot. But it's the ultimate buy-low-sell-high also have obviously the importance of the hook right now that you probably want to get it sooner rather than later before it falls back down to three and then also a lot of system matches here guys if you look at the sweet spot for betting dogs this year in the nfl when they're plus three and a half or more you're getting the hook like you are right now with seattle they're 76 and 48 ats 61 percent but in particular at home if you're a home sweet spot dog getting three and a half or more you're 40 and 26 ats uh, or actually your 40 and 27 ATS, I think you're up to like 68%, something like that. It's actually a better number here. Dogs who failed to cover the previous week are 59% ATS. And if you look at Carroll in particular, Pete Carroll, 5-3 uh, ATS this year as a dog, but 61% ATS in his career as a dog. And Shanahan, even though he did cover last week, he's only covering the number as a favorite around 43% of the time. So this is a good opportunity to me to kind of buy low, sell high, look at where the juice is trending. Rich, I'm looking at your old team, Seattle, plus three and a half. You're at home thinking this may get down to three.
4: No, I was looking at it too, Josh. And um, I love doing uh, segments with you this way because you always have the information I was going to ask you about, right? So I'm going (laughs) to ask you about all that information that you just identified from a home dog situation, dog situation, plus three and a half or more, uh, but then go to Thursday night football, like a true Thursday night football short week situation. Uh, Does that change or skew in any way? So a little bit Pritch goal factors here. Typically, this is
1: gonna you know contradict a little bit, but you do see favorites do a little bit better on Thursday yeah. night football just because it's a short week. And typically in that short time span, if you're the better, you know you're the team that's favored based on the spread, and typically you're probably the better coach team. Uh, you know, depending upon being favored, usually it's the coaches that can use that short amount of time to their advantage. But you also see an advantage toward home teams on Thursday night, so maybe that mitigates it a little bit, Pritch. The fact that home teams do well, which would match with Seattle, but then favorites do well. Which would match San Fran? So to me, if those kind of are washed there, you know, on one on both sides, then what's the what are the what's the market doing? What what are the, where which direction are the odds trending? Mm-hmm. Three and a half down to three tells me respect to money uh, is leaning here, especially with divisional dogs that really bark pretty loud here. Three point win by San Fran. You want that hook right now. You don't want to wait later in the week if it maybe gets down to
3: three. Yeah. Josh, a team that Mike just had on his right routes in our last segment, the LA Chargers, <laughs> now trying to back up a big Sunday night win at home. They take on Tennessee. Fresh off a divisional loss at home to Jacksonville line right around a field goal. How do you interpret the early line moves within the market?
1: So is the same sort of thing for me, guys. This is a buy low sell high. I'll take Tennessee in this one. And I think you're totally right, Prince. Is a team that with the Chargers, they're looking much better here as of late. Big win on Sunday Night football. And that was a great teachable moment, again, with what we just talked about. Because in that game, you had Miami three and a half pretty much all week. Game day, they fell down to three. So that late movement toward the home dog with the hook. Ended up winning outright outright for the Chargers there. This one, to me, guys, is really fishy because the Chargers are coming off a really good win at home. Look at Tennessee. This is the ultimate buy low on Tennessee play. They've lost three straight. You know, Vrabel's been the guy who's been making, uh, you know, kind of lemonade out of lemons here, but yet he struggled here the last three games. So to me, I want to buy low on Tennessee, not from just the fact that they're undervalued, but what's the market doing? This game open, guys. Chargers laying three at home. Chargers right now are one of your most public plays of the week. They're getting 74% of bets. Public says... I'm done with this Tennessee team. Chargers are on the rise. It's a short number at home. Just lay it with the home favorite. But this open minus three Chargers. And guys, it stayed minus three. So that would be a line freeze. And then also I am seeing some shops maybe get down to two and a half. So really the fact that it's a big public play to the Chargers, Tennessee doesn't look very good. But this line isn't going minus three to three and a half to four, you know, rising up toward the Chargers. It looks like it may be falling down toward Tennessee. So as long as this kind of stays in the same position, you don't see any buyback on the Chargers, I'd be looking at taking the three here with Tennessee. I think Vrabel's going to have something up his sleeve. As a dog uh, this year, he's four three ATS, but in his career, 22 and 14 ATS, 61%. And also keep an eye on this total, guys. It's kind of fishy. Both teams are eight and five to the under, but maybe we're going to get some points in this one. It opened like 45 the total. You're up to around 47. But to me, it's really this angle of doesn't make any sense, yet we're showing liability Tennessee. I'd look toward taking the key number of three with the Titans.
3: Mike, I remember last year, Titans went into SoFi Stadium against the Rams mm-hmm. Sunday night were big underdogs and won the game outright, if I yeah. remember correctly. So there's yeah. a history there with
4: Mike Vrabel going out to L.A. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, Josh, uh, line movement, perhaps uh, totals as well involved in this movement uh, when you got the Cowboys in Jacksonville. Ben, we, we were talking about this game earlier. I was le- leaning uh, towards looking at that total. So I'm with you too, Pritch. Again,
1: lean maybe a little bit over here. It Mm -hmm. did rise immediately once it dropped. It opened 46 and a half. You're up to 47 and a half. Should be pretty good weather there down in Florida with the heat. Really not much in the way of wind or precipitation. You also have kind of a non-conference angle here where the lack of familiarity uh, oftentimes benefits the offense. The defense doesn't really know how to match up here. But my angle, guys, is hold your nose and take the Jags in this one. This one jumped out to me as kind of a gross hazmat play, Pritch, right up our alley here. Uh, And, Ben, you know the angle with this one. It's kind of when a team looks disgusting, makes no sense, but they're getting sharp action in their favor. This one open Cowboys as high as laying six on the road. We're all the way down now to four and a half. I mean, there may be a five out there if you can find it, but mostly we're down to four and a half. Dallas is one four straight, but remember they barely beat the Houston Tex- Texans in that one. they were a 17 point favorite. You're down pretty much the entire game. Imagine how much live line money was just uh, auto betting Dallas there to come back and win that game. If they had uh, ended up losing that game. That would have been a huge win for the sportsbooks there, even though Houston still covered the number. But the point being, Cowboys barely get past the Texans. You have Jacksonville, who's actually playing better as of late. They've won three of their last five. Uh, big win there against Tennessee their last game with some uh, sharp reverse line movement in their direction. But you're getting 74% of bets on the Cowboys. America's team, big public play. But yet this line is dropping toward Jacksonville. So tells me at home, maybe the Jags taking in some respected money. This would be the stat I was looking for earlier. The sweet spot home dogs three and a half or more at home. They're 30 and 14 ATS, mm. 68%. That was the one that uh, also matched in, in the first game that we hit on. So I'd be looking at the Jags and the points. And again, as a better, it's like Cowboys look great. Jags, you know, they're still the Jags. But what's the market doing? It's dropping toward Jacksonville. And Pritch, fire up the syndicate, four and a half, up okay. to 10 and a half. Can they at least keep it close? That's probably going to be a teaser angle going through multiple key numbers. Yeah,
4: I think so. I think that's going to be on a teaser card. Caesar syndicate. Um, yeah. They don't yeah.
3: like to give away much, Josh. They no. they
4: play play the cards close to the vest, but <laughs> they'll they, go anywhere from ten to fourteen <laughs> legs go, though. <laughs> they'll go any any amount
3: of legs. I can just say, Josh, having been on our live bet Sunday show, watching the live market in Dallas and Houston, that the books kept holding it out at minus three and a half on Dallas. Like they were not letting you take anything under a field goal. Those numbers got there, but it was certainly a, a sweat. Give Josh a follow at Josh underscore insights. Josh, always great to see you on the show. We'll be tuning into your podcast tomorrow morning. Beeson Morning Daily Bets. Best of luck, guys. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate right. it, Josh. It's Josh. time for Mike and I to get into Thursday night football with some market movements around the three-and-a-half number. San Francisco, Seattle. We'll get into, into our breakdown as we
0: wrap up the There's plenty to celebrate in March and expect.
2: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds,
4: it was shocking.
2: I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom
5: deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm
3: in Washington.
5: Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man.
2: Warning, it's even messier than you thought.
4: United States of Scandal with
0: Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.
2: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSEN. With Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
3: betmgm the king of sportsbooks unleashes the spirit of las vegas with betmgm rewards every time you make a wager at betmgm you can earn betmgm rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets it's never been easier to join the action on the new betmgm app featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation planning a trip to vegas you can also convert your betmgm points into mgm rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 mgm resorts located on the las vegas strip and nationwide BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big thanks to the entire crew as we wrap things up today. On the Lombardi line with Mikhail Bala, Sergio Sanchez, Andre Perezo, Troy Kinch, and we're we're led by our producer, Brian Ortega, who's the host of the Concierge Confidential Podcast. You're going to be a guest on that at some point? I am. I am. I mean, it's a podcast about Las Vegas insider Mm -hmm. things from nightlife to restaurants to everything in between. You know, that, you know a thing me. or two about it all this. encompasses those me all, all the way That is Mike around. Pritchard. The, That's right. The ethos, of the <laughs> Las Vegas native and former NFL wide receiver. I can go from the twenties,
4: the thirties, the forties, into the fifties. <laughs> <50s. laughs>
3: Span it's like a fine wine that you That's you right. do enjoy drinking. Uh, like spans the decades.
4: One Mike Pritchard. That's right. It's
3: very impressive. You may, well, I look forward to that podcast episode.
5: Me
4: too, actually. Uh, we Ryan, haven't taken have date host yet, yet, but we'll we'll, we'll find get it. Date. We'll get it locked yeah, in. Uh, it locked we're
3: in. we're tracking right now since we don't we we mostly focus on NFL here on this show. We don't get too outside of that orb. <laughs> we're we're following some Tuesday injury report news coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Before we get to Thursday night football, the one that has caught both of our attention this morning, Mike, it's the status of running back Damian Pierce for the Houston Texans. Texans, as I update my odd screen in front of me, hosting Kansas City, about two touchdown underdogs right now, but. We're not sure if they'll have the services of Pierce, is the latest word from Tom Pellicero of the NFL Network. It is going to be very much a questionable game-time decision up in mm-hmm. the air, and it was a ankle sprain suffered in that near-upset win over Dallas on Sunday. But you have to think a pretty big blow, at least from a power rating to Houston's offense with no Pierce if he's unable to go.
4: Well, not only that, I mean, the Texans threw everything and the kitchen sink at the Cowboys. So, yeah. I mean, I know the Kansas City Chiefs, they don't cover on the road again, but I'm not entertaining playing the Texans. I, that was, that was a one, off, that was an outlier. <laughs> was that was an outlier. <laughs> Plus 17 and a half was an outlier, but no, I'm not going close uh, to this game.
3: I don't blame you for yeah. not wanting to go back to the well on Houston. We'll see where the market goes though. It's been pretty steady sitting at a flat 14, couple of books, slightly shaded to the underdog on that 14 total right now, split between 40, 49 right now and 49 and a half. We go to Thursday Night Football, though, to wrap up the show. San Francisco goes to Seattle. Market has settled in after taking some early Seattle money. There was a respected group releasing Seattle as a play early in the week. Dropped any of the offshore or East Coast fours down to three and a half before a lot of the Las Vegas or Nevada jurisdiction markets opened this game. As a result, we sit at San Francisco minus three and a half, pretty much market-wide right now, Mike. Josh on our last segment gave us his reasons why he likes Seattle as a mm-hmm. home dog. Why are you interested in the Seahawks here?
4: Well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, I'll start with the division. I mean, Pete Carroll and Kyle Shanahan, they go way back a little bit here in that division and, um, the history, uh, is fascinating. And then party mania, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are the 49ers inflated? Like say Jimmy G was a quarterback, even with the Debo Samuel injury. Would the line still be where it's at? You think, or would it be higher?
3: Oh, it would still be. It would be probably around if all health was considered equal, mm-hmm. would be around six and a half.
4: Okay, two seven with Jimmy G as quarterback.
3: Yes, and if Debo
4: Samuel. Well, was... no, same thing. Debo so saying, Samuel's okay, so out.
3: All injuries equal, yeah. and yeah. if you're uh, probably given the short week, I would say five to five and a half.
4: Okay, there's because...
3: still you have to downgrade San Francisco quarterback wise still. From Garoppolo to Purdy. You have to do that even if Garoppolo has not been the quarterback that would be like a pass first team leader type guy. His experience right. still is worth at least a point and a half to two in the market. Some would say even more than that, but that's probably a fair uh, kind of middling
4: point. Because I was at. wondering if this price was even inflated a little bit because, you know, there's sharp action on the Seahawks right now because of Purdy mania. Like the game I watched and everybody else watched it against uh, um, Tampa. I mean that's the same thing that Jimmy G would have done. It's not like Hardy elevated the team. Um, What, what he did out there, he played well. The story was fantastic too, mm-hmm. right? But that's the thing; it was the story. And of course, Fox, you're not doing your job if you don't have a shot of the family and dad crying and of all course. that, right? Um, But if Jimmy G was out there, we wouldn't have had shots of the family crying and or, or you know whoever, right? I mean, but it was the same type of performance that we've seen from the 49ers. Now they're without Debo. Um, and now on a short week too. And you wonder about game plans, like how complicated or how extended could the game plan be? Uh, or does that neutralize itself because you're playing a very familiar opponent? Like you're just gonna line up and play, I think, right? And try to make plays. But does that help out Seattle who are in a desperate situation too? I like Seattle. a number of reasons as a dog i've always liked seattle as a dog i think they've overachieved that's why you like them as a dog uh and then the the prospects that seattle could bounce back i think that's real Mm -hmm. um without a running game though without a running game uh that offense is compromised a little bit but i think as as you watch tape and if you're geno smith you're going to correct some mistakes that you made last week
3: For San Francisco, injury concerns will not be extended just to Debo Samuel. Mm -hmm. Reports come out yesterday at the press conferences from Kyle Shanahan and from The Athletic, who reported that he has an MCL sprain and an ankle sprain, but expected to return at some point during the regular season. Very vague timeline there for star wide receiver Debo Samuel. In addition to that, though, Brock Purdy was banged up in the Mm -hmm. game Sunday, dealing with an oblique injury day-to-day right now. Running back Christian McCaffrey, who that offense runs through, continues to nurse an injury. He is day-to-day, not exactly a great spot to go now on a short week on the road within a division when you've been nursing a knee injury and have been limited in practice most of the week. That, to me, is the bigger reason why you're seeing money come on Seattle. Yes, the desperate team angle, very much a real thing. Mm But San Francisco, who plays such a physical game, you wonder what that offense looks like now if you have one of your star players out and two of your other key pieces, your newly found quarterback who's look great and your star running back who are both less than a hundred percent
4: yeah i mean you think about from a game planning standpoint what kyle wants to do with debo and christian like they are heavily involved with everything uh whether christian lines up as a wide receiver and you get a matchup, and hey party is going to be there just throw it up he's going to be open he's going to get open and that happened um or you got debo running the ball out the backfield you know disguising things because you have advantages from a personnel standpoint now you don't have those advantages Against Pete Carroll and that defense, and Pete Carroll can match up against you, and they know what you do. Um, I, I I like Seattle for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I, I just mentioned it as, as a dog, but the the injuries uh, certainly adding up. Um, I, I you know it's going to be fascinating too to see what Seattle can do uh, if Walker is still banged up with that ankle. Mm-hmm. Right, and that
3: was listed as limited on yeah. the injury report. The quote from Pete Carroll yesterday was that he could suit up Thursday and not not much uh, firm indication on will he actually suit up but Walker a firm questionable same deal as running back DJ Dallas who is also uh, limited in the Monday estimated practice report and tight end Will Disley at least is trending in the right direction he was a full participant as he was able to go last week against Carolina uh, but was limited throughout that game with injury we, we list, what, six injuries combined right. all on offense between the 49ers and Seattle? Mm-hmm. That's why I would lean under 43 and a half. You have a top five defense for San Francisco that is still fairly healthy. Right, All things considered, top five both on running and pass defense, that side of the ball. And without any really healthy, true 100% healthy running backs for Seattle, I wonder how the Seahawks are able to move the ball with well, a quarterback in Geno Smith who was top five advanced metrics through the first 12 weeks of the year Mm -hmm. has really come back down to earth and has made a bunch of questionable throws. It just doesn't seem like he has the same zip on a lot of balls out to the boundaries, Mike, but we've seen JC Horn cuts, undercuts a couple of sort of lofted throws from Geno Smith. So that offensive issues likely are going to continue for Seattle only scored seven points in the first meeting against San Francisco. So combined with all the San Francisco, issues we talked about offensively under 43 and a half is where i'd look
4: i, I you know yeah i mean that's a great uh, angle right there too from an under standpoint um you, you know from uh how you're going to play the game how you're going to approach this game familiarity is everything like tendencies are everything i mean they really are like when when you play somebody ben and you know exactly what they're doing uh and okay it works both ways they know exactly what you're doing mm-hmm. uh i i think it'll be different than tampa playing an unfamiliar opponent right Or or tendency standpoint so uh, these two teams have history that way. Uh, I, I think even though the 49ers are trending as an all-timer at defense, uh, Seattle is going to feel confident that they can still move the mm-hmm. ball. You know, Gino, he's throwing, I think he's completing over 70% of his passes. Numbers
3: on the year. So yeah, on the go. year. It's just still, been the last couple lately, weeks. Right, right. To come. Without a
4: running game is really compromising them. But uh, maybe some quick passes and some big plays out there though, for Thursday Night Football.
3: As we head out, report does come in from Adam Schefter of ESPN. On the Arizona front, Kyler Murray officially torn ACL. Yep. Done for the year. What we expected. Coming in. Alright, Mike. Two hours hours—it just flew by. No, it did. Always fun <laughs> hanging out with you. For Mike Pritchard, Dude. I'm Ben Wilson. The Lombardi Line wraps up. It is decent Big Bets. Dave Ross and come coming your way next.